everybody. Isn't it great to be in the house of the Lord? Yep, one of you thinks so. That's great. Glad to hear it. <laughs> so we want to remember Alexa Phillips. This is Joyce Phillips' granddaughter, and she is recovering from so, uh, shoulder surgery. So let's remember her in prayer, Alexa Phillips. All right, I'm going to ask uh, Daryl to come around and lead us in our opening prayer, yeah? On Friday, on, on Friday, Jack Davis, let's remember Jack Davis in prayer, and uh, who had a, he had a stroke on Friday, so let's remember him in prayer. Is that it? Yeah, it must have been the Friday before. Yeah, so, yeah. All right, Brother Darrell, lead us in our opening prayer. Father, we thank you for this evening that we have to come and to gather in your house, Father, and to worship you in spirit and in truth and to hear your word preached. God, I pray that you would just meet with us in a mighty way tonight, Father. I pray that you will give us uh, what we need to hear, Father, that will encourage us and strengthen us and, yes, and yes. cause us to leave this place and and to be a brighter light for you, to be salt in this world. And God, I pray that we will go out here and make a difference for the cause of Christ, and we can proclaim your name and, and testify of your goodness and your grace in our lives, Father, and that the whole world may see uh, just how good you are, Father, and, and that we may lift you up. Lord, I pray that you'll be with the preacher as he uh, brings the message tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll fill him with your spirit, give him liberty to preach, Father. I pray for us as we're... Uh, that will be receptive of, uh, of the words that are uh, being brought forth and we can apply it to our lives. Father, I pray that you'll just give us a desire for your word, a hunger for your word. Father, a desire to live uh, according to your word and to be pleasing to you. God, I pray in this day, Lord, that you would just put that fire in our heart and in our soul. Yes. And God, I pray that you will be with us here tonight, Father, that you'll meet with us tonight, Father, that... that uh, uh, that, that you will just meet with us tonight and it will encourage us as we go into this week, Father, that we can be on fire for you, be with the singing, be with the preaching. Lord, we're just so grateful for your goodness in our lives and all that you've done for us. We thank you for this church, our pastors, for the people. God, we're so grateful for all you've blessed us with. Father, most of all, we thank you for sending your son to die on the cross for our sins, Lord. And I pray that every day that we will be grateful and thankful for that and mindful of it. And I pray that it just doesn't lose its power in our lives, Father. And we just don't uh, be complacent in our walk with you. But every day, just strive and just to be... Uh, just to bask in your mercies that are new every day. Lord, we just thank you for your goodness and your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. 355. 355. Everybody stand. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Praise him. Jesus, our blessed redeemer. Sing, Guard his children in here. 
tonight are exactly the same as they were this morning. So if you've got a bulletin, uh, then you've got our announcements. And I had a bulletin somewhere. So let me just mention a couple of them real quick. Uh, so we want to remember that the Harvest Fest and uh, Trunk or Treat is Saturday, October the 28th. That's this coming Saturday from 3 uh, from noon until 3, noon until 3, so got that coming up, uh, and uh, then we made mention of that, and then next Sunday night is, uh, next Sunday is Youth Sunday, and next Sunday night is Dollar Dog Night, and then Children's Christmas Play Practice starts uh, on uh, November the 4th, Saturday morning at 9.15, and then uh, let's not forget to be preparing for our WMU Thanksgiving Banquet, we'll mention a little bit more about that in a, a next Sunday, and then uh, we do have a work day here at the church uh, on Saturday, November the 18th. Uh, a work day here at the church starting about 8.30. And so if you can help us, we would appreciate that very, very much. We have quite a number of things that needs to be done. Primarily, our main concern is to, uh, is to finish up the work in the restrooms and the downstairs of the fellowship hall. We have other things that need to be done as well, but we would like to completely finish that up. The flooring will be in by then, Lord willing. Uh, and so uh, we've got some painting to do. Uh, we've got some stalls to set up, and we've got some other things to put on the wall. So if you can help us with that, we'd appreciate it very, very, very much. Also, uh, I have a note here uh, that... Uh, uh, Brother Middleman, uh, Harry has put some tracks out in the track rack that are suitable for this coming uh, season. Uh, better than candy, what could be sweeter, give thanks, happy Halloween, and what's inside. So if you want to get some of those gospel tracks and pass those out, I know that would be very, very helpful uh, and a real blessing. Blessing to the person you give them to, but also a blessing to you as well. 
All right, so we're going to ask our ushers to come forward for our regular Sunday evening tithes and offerings. Uh, ushers, come on, and uh, we'll take up the offering tonight. And also want to make mention that we do have Wednesday night service here every week, 7 o'clock. So there was a, a lady here. This happened years and years ago. There was a lady here uh, who, who uh, actually they came here for quite a while. Uh, and, but just before they left... The family left. The lady said to Michael one day, she said, you know, she said, I, 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 I need to go somewhere else to church because uh, every time I come, I hear the gospel. And Michael said, well, that's true. You should hear the gospel when you come. And then Michael said, but you know, if you came on Sunday night and Wednesday night, then we get a little deeper into the word of God. Uh, Sunday night's kind of inspirational, and Wednesday night is instructional. And, uh, and she said, well, I guess maybe you miss something if you don't come, <laughs> except for Sunday morning. Uh, duh. <laughs> Sunday night and Wednesday night, it, it's important. Be in the house of the Lord. It'll be a blessing to you. It'll be a strength to you. It'll be encouragement to you. And I'm going to ask Jason if he would to ask God's blessing on the offering. Yes, yes, dear Lord. So many times that you do things on our behalf, Lord, we pray that we would always put you first in our life, Lord, and we just thank you for this opportunity to be in your house, Lord, we pray that you would be among us and speak to hearts, Lord, and that you would uh, bless this offering, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. 228, page 228, everybody stand. this last verse then at last went on high he sees us our journey done we will rest where the steps of jesus sit at his road footprints of jesus that make the pathway glow we will follow the steps
Amen. Okay, go ahead. Amen. Amen. All right. Amen. It's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday and to praise the Lord for that. If you have your Bible, I'd like for you to turn with me to the book of Isaiah and chapter number 53. Isaiah chapter number 53. Uh, we're uh, just going to take a few minutes tonight and uh, look at the first three verses of this chapter. Um, So, that's thinking about it a little bit, and um, Isaiah chapter 53 is, is not a lengthy chapter, it's only 12 verses, uh, and, and yet it's one of the most powerful chapters in the Word of God. Uh, it, it, it carries so much, uh, so much power with it, and, and part of the reason that it's such a powerful a passage of scripture is because of the distance between the time that the prophecy is given concerning the Lord Jesus Christ and then the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hundreds of years between the time that this prophecy is given by Isaiah and yet it, it really could not be more clear. Uh, one of the things that has concerned me that through the years uh, is um, and, and maybe, may, maybe uh, it's just me, I don't know. But for the life of me, I don't understand how people can be confronted with the prophetic evidence of the Word of God and how it's fulfilled, and then them just deny the Word of God altogether. I, uh, it, it's amazing to me. It, it really is astounding to me. Well, of course, one of the most uh, profound uh, prophecies is the regathering of the nation of Israel. Uh, and, uh, of course, we know that is, and the fact that it said it will become a nation in a day, which is exactly what happened. It became a nation in a day. And, uh, and they were all called back together by God. They didn't know it. They didn't know it was God that was calling them. But it was, and he called them back into the land, and they regathered. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, the Belfour Declaration was given in, uh, I believe it was 1916. And when the Belfour Declaration was given in 1916, um, no, I'm sorry, it was 1918. And when the Belfour Declaration was given in 1918, there, there, was, less, there was less than 50,000 Jews in the nation of Israel in in Palestine and uh, today the largest concentration of Jews uh, in the world is now in Israel it used to be New York City for years and years and years uh, but uh, but after the Yom Kippur War in 1973 things began to change uh, and that's when not only a few began to go back but literally millions of Jews started going back to the homeland uh, and uh, now there are more Jews there than anywhere else. Now, I want you to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, as the Bible tells us 
to do that very thing. I want you to pray for the peace of, uh, uh, of uh, Jerusalem. I want you to pray for Israel as a nation. Uh, I, want you, I want you to pray for our government that we would stay on the right side of this as a nation. Uh, but I said this the other night, and I'll say it again. I'm not concerned for Israel's well-being. Not in the least. You say, well, preacher, how can you say that? Because I'm telling you right now, that's the apple of God's eye. And the United States military, nor any other military, is as powerful as the protective hand of God. And what uh, has happened has happened for an eternal reason. God knows exactly what he's doing. Somebody asked me the other day, do you think Israel will lose this war? And I said, no, I don't, not at all. And uh, they said, well, why not? And I said, because the way I read the scripture, there's only one regathering of the people. And if Israel were to lose this war and be scattered again, then there would have to be a second regathering. And I'm not the brightest crayon in the box, I realize that. But I know a few things, and uh, I know that prophecy is as sure and as steadfast as, uh, as eternity itself. It's more sure than the world. People say, oh, the prophecy is as sure as the world. <laughs> it's more sure than the world. It's more sure than planet Earth. This, this world that we know will be destroyed and God's going to give us a new heavens and, and a new earth. But the word of God's never going to cease. <laughs> and so the, the word of God stays there forever. So I encourage you to pray for the nation of Israel. I encourage you to stay informed and be encouraged that God is going to do his work. Uh, regardless of what happens, folks... Either way, no matter what, we win, okay? If you're born into the family of God, if you've been washed in the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, it does not matter what happens, uh, you're, you're a winner. You're, you're, go you're going to be with the Lord in glory for eternity. Uh, how you get there, I may not know, or anyone else may not know. Uh, but I will tell you this, the Lord knows. He knows when, he knows how, he knows why. And if you belong to him, you are forever secured in the palm of his hand. You need not uh, be uh, fearful of that. But this prophecy is another prophecy that is so very clear. I, I am astounded that people have a problem understanding this prophecy. Now, let me just say one other thing. And I, I'm not, I, I told you, we're not gonna, I'm not going to preach long at all. So I can take a little time uh, just talking, right? Just, <laughs> just saying some stuff. So let me say some stuff. So I've read some quote-unquote theologians who doubt the full veracity of Isaiah 53. <laughs> For the life of me, I can't understand it. I, I'm sorry, I just I can't figure that one out. Uh, I mean, uh, a wayfaring man, though a fool, could not err therein. Really? I mean, this is so clear that a 12-year-old can figure this out. I'm serious. It, it, it's not, it, this is not rocket science here. Uh, this, this is plain and clear, uh, and, uh, and it's beautiful, and it's powerful, and it's wonderful, but we're only going to look at three verses of it tonight because 
in these 12 verses. Uh, I'll tell you what I believe. In these 12 verses, God has packed eternity. Because Jesus Christ uh, was from eternity past to eternity future. And so when, as he is revealed in these 12 verses, we see eternity revealed to us. So if you found Isaiah 53, if you'll stand with us, please, in honor of the reading of the word of God. And he says, Who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief. We hid as it were our faces from him, and he was, and he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Dear Lord, we pray you'd help us in the understanding of the word of God tonight. We pray that you might speak to us through the pages of eternal truth. And uh, Lord, that uh, just for a moment or two, we might draw something from the word of God that might truly be a great encouragement to us. And uh, Lord, cause us to be more willing to share our faith with those around about us, to uh, be more bold with the gospel. Uh, and especially as we're coming into yet another holiday season that we might celebrate with all, the, all of the joy of the Lord uh, what Christ has done for us. We'll be careful to give you the praise, for we ask it all in Jesus' name. And for his sake, amen, you may be seated. Well, he starts off with, uh, who hath believed our report? And so, right from the beginning, the Lord reveals to us, no matter how clear this passage of Scripture is, there are going to be those who are not going to trust it. They're not going to grasp it. They're not, they're not going to believe it. Now, I, I believe... Um, I believe that anyone, anywhere, anytime can get saved. I, I, I am a whosoever uh, preacher. My father used to say that all the time. I am a whosoever preacher. I believe that whosoever will, that's who can get saved. Amen? I believe that. I believe that with all my heart. I, I believe whoever they are, wherever they are, if they'll trust the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, he'll save them. And I believe that, uh, <clears throat> that it is up... It is up to us. It is our mind. It is our heart. Uh, and that God forces no one uh, to hell, nor does he force anyone into salvation. God has given us an open invitation to trust the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? I do also, at the same time, believe that the Holy Spirit is involved in salvation. I do. I believe that with all of my heart. I believe it takes the Word of God... And then I believe it takes the Spirit of God for us to be born into the family of God. I believe that. I, I, and, uh, and I believe if we respond to a little bit of what God has revealed to us, then he will open our heart to more of it. And then when we respond to more of it, then he'll open our heart to even more of it. And when we respond to that... He'll give us even more. That's why I believe that some people get saved and grow very rapidly in their walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. And then others get saved and it seems like they grow little or none at all. Have you ever noticed that? Some people just don't seem to grow spiritually. They just don't seem to flourish. Now, my wife, she's got a, she has a potted rose bush in, on the back deck. 
And uh, so about the beginning of October, the middle of, or the end of September, I thought, well, it's done. <laughs> you know? uh, it's done. Uh, but this very night, uh, there is at least one bloom and about four or five buds at least on that rose bush. They came back. It has flourished. It has absolutely astounded us. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we saw that thing, it got, it got delivered to us, okay? I think Amazon shipped it. Do you know that Amazon ships anything, anywhere? That's pretty much the way I see it. My wife got this rose bush, and she got it shipped from Amazon, and we opened up the box, and I said, what is that? And she said, it's a rose bush. I said, it looks like a stick. <laughs> That's exactly what it looks like, is it looks like a stick. But you know what? She planted that thing, and she watered it, and lo and behold, we had roses all summer, and then they gave up in September, and they came back in October. It's amazing. It flourished. It flourished. Some Christians are like that. They get saved. They, they get born into the family of God. Some of them may have come into the hand, uh, into the uh, family of God from really difficult backgrounds, harsh struggles with sin and, uh, and, uh, and, and difficult family situations and circumstances and all the rest. But they get saved and they just, it just seems like that, that like that rose bush. They, you know, put them in the ground and pour in the water and the next thing you know, they're blooming and they're, uh, and they're fragrant and they're, they're a joy to be around and how wonderful that is. But you know why? Because they're responding to what the Lord gives them. The Lord gives them a little and they respond because they want more. And then the Lord gives them more and then they respond because they want more yet. And the Lord continues to give them strength. But somebody that gets saved and they don't really care much about it after a while, you know, they're really excited for the first couple of weeks or maybe the first couple of months, and then they kind of cool off. We used to have a phrase for that down south. We said they fizzled out. You ever use that phrase? Man, that guy just fizzled out. I don't know what happened. I, I don't understand it. You know, I mean, he was here every Sunday there for a little while, and now, uh, and this is another thing we said in the South in Baptist churches, you can't find him with a search warrant. Yeah, if you want to, if you, <laughs> uh, well, never mind. <laughs> I'm just saying that what's, what's the big difference between the two? Is it their backgrounds? No. Is it because one got saved out of a life of terrible sin, another one maybe wasn't so bad? No, no, no. It is how they long for the Lord's blessing in their life. The more they long for it, the more he gives it. And he does that by the power of his Holy Spirit. Do you know that it's very helpful to have a mentor in the faith? Someone, Paul had a mentor, uh, and Paul was a mentor to many, many, many Christians, especially to uh, some that we, uh, uh, we, we think about like Timothy and, and others uh, that we see that Paul really genuinely, gloriously mentored them and brought them along, and that's important. But you know what? There's some people, it seems like they're going to grow no matter what. Amen? 
I mean, they're going to read their Bible through whether you tell them that it's important or not. They just start doing it and read their Bible. Then I remember some of the folks that got saved and, uh, and uh, weren't familiar with the Bible. Uh, and uh, they'd start, man, I'm telling you, they'd come and ask me every kind of question you can imagine about the Bible. They'd read it, and they wouldn't have a clue. I mean, they wouldn't have a clue, but they'd come and ask you a dozen questions. That's thrilling, isn't it? Who hath believed our report? Some didn't. Some didn't, some don't, some won't. Some never will. I mean, I'd like to say that, that, you know, that everybody's going to get saved, but it's not true. As a matter of fact, if I read the Word of God correctly, there's more of them that are going to turn away from God than are going to turn to God. We're actually going to have... Now, I believe that my father used to say this. Uh, I believe every child that, that, that dies before the age of accountability goes to heaven. I still believe that. I believe every unborn child goes to heaven. We're going to see them in glory. So... Hell's not going to be bigger than, than heaven. The devil's not going to have a bigger crowd. He's got a bigger crowd down here, but he won't have a bigger crowd in eternity. But in this world, in this life, you're going to find a lot of times that you're in the minority. You're, you're, you're really going to find that. Who hath believed our report? Who hath, who, hath, who, had, who hath come to the passage of scripture here in the book of Isaiah and believed it. Well, I'll tell you one that did, the Ethiopian eunuch, he believed it. Amen. He believed it and he said, I believe what's to keep me from getting baptized. <laughs> and what did Philip say? He said, why, not a thing. He didn't say, well, now I got to get back to the church and you know, got to go back to Jerusalem and we got to get you voted in, got to get your name on a card and, you know, and uh, get you all signed up. And, uh, and then you got to go through convert, new convert classes. And then if you prove out for a year or two, then we'll baptize you. Nope, that's not what he said. Amen? That is not what he said. He said, stop the chariot. Let's get down here and I'll baptize you because we got water right here. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? It's, it, 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 it's astounding sometimes to think of that. Now, who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? If you're, if you're looking for the Lord, I believe you're going to find him. If you're looking for the Lord, I believe you'll find him. Now, if you're not looking for the Lord, you'll probably find what you're looking for. If you're not looking for the Lord, it won't be him. Amen? You might find what you're looking for. You might find wealth. You might, you might find power. You might find prestige. You might find popularity. If that's what you're looking for, you might find it. But if you're not looking for the Lord, you're not going to find him. You don't get saved by accident. Yeah, you, did you know that? You don't stumble into the family of God. That's not the way it works. You hear about Jesus, and like blind Barnabas, you say, Oh, son of man, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me, Lord. Have mercy. When, who hath believed our report, and to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Then he says this, and Michael has brought this out several times. For he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, and as a root out of dry ground... He hath no form nor comeliness, 
And when we shall see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. I really only want to center my attention on just these first two verses. We're going to mention a little bit about verse 3 at the very end. But I really just want to take a look at these first two verses. But I want you to notice what he says. He said, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant and as a root out of dry ground. So not only do we have this rose bush in our back, in our, on our back deck that's in a pot. But then we've got a rose bush that we've had, is it 25 years? Had that rose bush 25 years, okay? It was at some, somebody's wedding, we got it. And uh, so uh, don't, don't press me, okay? I can't remember if it's Rebecca or Michael, but one of them. <laughs> Michael, okay. I did remember that, I really did. <laughs> but anyway, at their wedding, we got this rose bush. It was a gift to us, and we, we put it in the ground, in the rock garden, if you know where the rock garden is, over at the parsonage. If you don't, then you don't. But if you do, it's there in the rock garden. And so this has happened a couple of times, but this summer, it, it, it didn't do good. I mean, it just, I don't know, it just, the, it budded. And they bloomed a little bit, but they didn't last very long. And then, you know, the, 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 the rose stems, they just kind of <laughs> drooped over. So Helen got out there and cut it all the way back to nothing. I mean, it was pretty much gone. It was gone. It was a, it was a not only was it a dry stick, it was an itty bitty teeny weeny dry stick. I mean, it, it was a little nub. But now it's growing back. And it looks so healthy and so bright. Now, I know the winter's going to get it. I know that. We cut it back in the spring, and I know the winter's going to get it. But I have every reason to believe that after the winter gets it, when it comes back next spring, it's going to be even prettier than it was before. And Michael has mentioned this several times. He shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. It really looked like it was gone. <laughs> After, I want you to think about this just for a minute, and I'm not going to deal with a lot of prophecy tonight at all. just want to give you one little word here. After 400 years without a prophet, Israel was a root out of dry ground. Their hope was all but gone. Their anticipation had faded. Their zeal was all eaten up. They just... And then out of that root, out of that dry place, out of that barren time of 400 years, years we we haven't even been a country 400 years did you do you know that the united states hasn't even been here 400 years and after 400 years with not a word not one prophet in the land of israel then all of a sudden john the baptist jumps up one day and says he's coming <laughs> he's coming it's coming he's coming the kingdom of God is at hand. And then one day Jesus walked into a wedding, 
turned the water into wine and turned the world upside down and split the calendar in half. Out of root, out of dry ground. Hey, when you feel like all hope is lost, it is not. <laughs> if God can give the nation of Israel the Redeemer after 400 years of silence, then God can give you hope in your valley. He can give you help in your heartache. He can guide you. He can give you direction when you have no idea which way to turn. Yeah, he can do that very thing. And who's he talking about here? Who is the root out of dry ground? Who is the tender plant? Why, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now notice this. This is kind of where I wanted to get. I'm preaching like Michael, taking me a long time to get where I'm going. I didn't really say that. Okay, here we go. Notice what he says here. He hath no form nor comeliness. And when we see him, there's no beauty that we should desire him. He hath no form nor comeliness. And that is the reason why verse 1 can make sense to us. Who hath believed our report? And to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? Do you know how many people met Jesus during his lifetime and did not know who he was? During his earthly ministry here, you know how many people met him and were not aware that they were standing before heavenly royalty? I'll tell you, Pilate didn't know. Pilate didn't know. If he had known, he would have never agreed to crucify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Paul said too, by the way. He said, had they, not, had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Amen? Had they known, if they had known this was the Son of the living God, if they had known who Jesus was, they wouldn't have crucified the Lord of glory. If they had known, they missed it. And what about Herod? They took him over to Herod, you know, during the trial of the Lord Jesus. And what did Herod want? Herod wanted him to walk on water. Hey, come on out here, the Lord. Come on out here, Jesus. I got a pool out here. I want you to walk across this pool. That's what he wanted. The Bible said so. It didn't say about the pool. I made that up. But it did say that he was looking that he might see some sign. And the word sign is the exact same word that's used for miracle over and over and over again in the Gospel of John. He was looking for a miracle. He wanted to see Jesus perform. And when Jesus didn't perform a miracle, he said, I got no time for this guy. Send him on back. Pilate, you take care of him. I'm not going to have anything to do with it. Think about how many people saw Jesus and didn't know who he was. So you know what that says to me? Jesus didn't come floating down the road in a great ball of light. Amen? That's not the way Jesus appeared. Jesus did not have a halo that was around him everywhere he went. Jesus' hands did not have sparks that came out of the end of his fingertips. No. You know what Jesus looked like? Well, I'll tell you what. Take a look at some of those Israeli soldiers. Take a look at their faces. 
That's what he looked like. That's what he looked like. He was born of a Jewish mother. He grew up in a Jewish family. And he fit right in with the Jewish people. He looked just like all the rest of them. And some of them couldn't tell the difference. Some of them couldn't... They, they, they couldn't see it. All they could see was his outward form. And he was, he, he was not a Goliath. He wasn't even a Saul. He was just a ruddy old David. You know, just an ordinary guy. That's what that means, by the way. When they went and they saw, when they were, you know, looking for another king after Saul, who was head and shoulders above all the rest, but was a coward and wouldn't go fight Goliath. And then they found David who was out there feeding the sheep and his father sent him out. And when he got out there, they said, why, he's just a lad of a boy. He's just this ruddy little kid. But he slew Goliath. He was a man after God's own heart. Jesus kind of looked like that. Just an ordinary fella. Just an ordinary man. Oh, but nothing could have been further from the truth. Yeah. He, he might have looked ordinary. He might have had rough hands from doing the work of a carpenter. He might have had a little bit leathered skin from spending too many days on the Sea of Galilee. He might have walked like a man who spent a lot of time working for a living. Because, by the way, if you didn't know this, that is exactly what he did. The Bible says that this is Jesus, the carpenter. So for 33 and a half years, he lived here on earth. But for 30 of those years, he was a working man. He was a working man. Just an ordinary guy. Oh, that's what he looked like. Let me tell you something. I, I want to use this illustration real quick. I, I, I'm already taking longer than I intended. Well, I remember one time I went to hear a fellow preach. You heard him preach during the camp meeting his name is uh dr ed moore he wasn't doctor at the time he was just ed and he was from chicago and he came and preached in one of our meetings and and so i'm just going to tell the truth okay don't y'all don't don't tell ed i said this okay okay so ed got there to preach and he had on an old pair of shoes and he had a suit that was a little too big for him and it wasn't a real good suit to start with so you take a suit that's not real good and you put it on a man that's a little too small for it and he's got an old pair of shoes, he don't look like much. You know, you know what I mean? You know, he don't look like much. My dad called Dr. Ed Moore, who was just Ed Moore at the time. He called Ed to come up and preach in this meeting. And when he walked up to the pulpit, I, I've got to be honest. I was in my 20s, and I had been to Liberty. I was educated. I knew stuff. And I know this guy doesn't look like the guy from Liberty. <laughs> he don't look like Guy Penrod. I'm telling you right now. He, he, he doesn't look like Jerry Falwell. He, just, he doesn't look the part. And then he got up, and you'll have noticed this if you pay attention. He got up, and he... He gets nervous sometimes right before he preaches. I don't know if you're aware of that. After all these years, praise God, he still gets nervous. So he doesn't read the scripture very well. You notice that? 
he kind of stumbles over some of the word. And I'm sitting there listening to this guy read the scripture, stumbling over the words in an old suit and a worn out pair of shoes. I mean, is this Jethro Bodine up there? I mean, come on. Then he prayed. Then he preached one of the most powerful messages I've ever heard. He looks like just an ordinary guy. Looks like just another face in the crowd. Oh, but I'm telling you, when Jesus fills him up, he's something very special. And I'm telling you, Jesus looked like just an ordinary guy, but he was the son of God. And when he let just a little of his glory out, it was more than you could take. It was more than you could stand. Oh, let me tell you something. Our Jesus is not just a historical figure. He's not just a character in the book. <laughs> he is the book. Amen. He is the word of God. Now I want to read one more verse and then we'll be done. I really did preach longer than I intended. Notice what he says. The very last part of verse 3, the last phrase, right after the semicolon, he says this. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. He was despised. And we esteemed him not. Do you know what that means? It simply means this. We did not give him the respect that he deserved. We did not give him the respect that he deserved. And let me tell you something. Still to this day, my Savior does, is not getting the respect that he deserves. But it's okay. You know why it's okay? Because one day... They're going to crown him king of kings and lord of lords. And you know what happens on that day? Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl ever been born on this planet, ever lived a life here on earth, ever had a life taken for them from them way too soon, maybe even before they could even catch a breath, they were gone. But they'll all be there. And you know what they're all going to do? Every knee's going to bow and every tongue is going to confess and then he's going to get the respect that he deserves. This is the picture of Jesus long before he was born in Bethlehem. This is what Isaiah could see long before Mary heard from the Holy Spirit. Long before the angel ever came to Joseph. Could I tell you? He's the Christ. He's the son of the living God. Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity. Take a look in the scripture just for a few minutes tonight. Draw something out that might encourage us. Lord, someone here tonight doesn't know you in the free pardon of sin. I know that we have not necessarily preached a gospel message, but surely the gospel is here. He's the savior of the world. He's the forgiver of our sins. He's the son of the living God. And if somebody here tonight does not know him, I pray that before this evening is over, they would come and trust the Savior.
And then, Lord, if there's a Christian who's just kind of taken the Lord for granted. Lord, I hate to admit it. There's been times I've done that very thing. More times than I want to admit. That, Lord, I just kind of took you for granted. Your goodness and your mercy, your grace and your love, your power, your healing, your rescuing hand. Lord, I just, just took it for granted. Lord, if there's a Christian like that tonight, I pray they'd come down this aisle and say, Lord, Lord, I want to give you the respect that you deserve. By living a life that is dedicated to you, surrendered and sold out for my Savior. Lord, speak to us, we pray. In Jesus' name I ask it. Amen. Let's stand together. What shall we say? When I see the sunrise in the morning. When I Wait.